Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Awesome. Well, we're going to get right into the Word today. Um, I just, I'm, going to, I'm going to dive in today into uh, a thought that we've been working on our second week this week, and the title of the, the series has been Made for This. Hey, Harrison, you can turn me up in here, brother. Uh, made for This. And we've been talking about, and you can put my thing back up there, that'd be fantastic too. Thanks, brother. Uh, made for This. And we've been talking about the idea that you and I were created and designed and made to worship God. And in fact, we, uh, until we focus our entire lives on worshiping our creator and wor- giving him the worship that he deserves in the way that he has instructed us to bring it to him, you and I will never be able to reach our full or highest potential. We'll never be able to reach the place in which God created us to be until we finally recognize that our entire existence and our life was created to worship and to bring glory to our creator. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's God. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha, the omega. He created you. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. No matter where you're out today in your journey with God, no matter where you're at, No matter you're far from God, you hate God, you don't believe in God, maybe you're on the rocks in your relationship with him, maybe he once was, you felt he was once faithful to you and now he's not faithful to you. No matter where you're at on the spiritual journey of your life, you need to know this first reality today. God designed you and wired you to be in relationship with him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to experience, you to experience what he originally designed you to do. And so today I want to walk you through this idea about um, your relationship with God a little bit. And last week we talked about some biblical concepts that we're going to continue in the next couple of weeks talking about some specific things when it comes to worship and praise. But today I felt like I wanted to take a little bit of a, a little bit of a deeper thought. And I want to kind of have a conversation with you today as we were driving home from Red Deer this morning or to, to church. Um, I just felt the Lord begin to speak to me and give me some extra thoughts about my message today. And so, um, you know, as I begin to think about um, my relationship with God in a relationship to a married couple. Now, a lot of you in the room maybe aren't married or, or maybe you were married and it didn't go so hot. <laughs> or maybe you're in a marriage and it's not going so hot. Come on, don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at him. <laughs> or maybe you're here today and you're, you're not married, you're single, but you looked at your parents and they weren't a great example of, of marriage. Or, you know, so, so this can be, uh, this breaks down really quickly for a lot of people and that, that's kind of the point. You know, when, when, when you spend, we spend a lot of time with a lot of married couples. And what we find with married couples or dating couples, in their relationship, we find that there's two reasons that people get divorced. There's two reasons. This isn't about marriage today, but it is a little bit. So if you need some helpful marriage tips, take some notes. There's two things that cause marriages to go into divorce. You know what they are? Money and sex. The two things that cause the most problems in most relationships is money and sex. And I want to focus on the second one just for a moment. Don't worry, I won't go into any detail uh, about sex, but I want to talk about it for just a minute. You know, when you talk about the idea, you'd be shocked to find out how many married couples and how many people who aren't Christians, uh, as well as Christians, how many people in their relationship with one another in a a marriage context actually experience shame and guilt in relationship to being intimate with one another. 
It's crazy how many uh, people we talk to who have not been regularly together in that way because of shame or guilt or fear or injury uh, from past relationships or areas of their life where they feel like they can't engage. It's amazing how many couples stop engaging in intimacy because there's something in the relationship that keeps them from engaging. There's shame. There's guilt, I feel bad about being with you in this way, or I've been in, a, in relationships in the past and I made mistakes and I brought those same feelings into the relationship and, and now when I'm with you, I know that you love me and I, I know that you, that, that you don't see those things, but when I'm with you, I feel that way about myself. It's amazing, guys, how much time we spend with married couples where we hear people talking about this reality of how they feel when engaging one another and when engaging each other and how difficult it is sometimes to push through the emotion of the shame and the fear and the hurt when your spouse treats you poorly and you have a fight and you gotta work through it. How many of you know as married couples, sometimes it is hard to push through those emotions? It's hard to do the work that you need to do to be in an intimate relationship with that person. It's difficult. Marriage can be so hard when it comes to this reality of realizing that this person that I'm with, this woman that I'm with is an amazing woman, but sometimes the shame and the guilt and the fear, I have to make a conscious decision that even though I don't feel it, and even though I don't see it, and even though I'm frustrated, and even though I feel lost, and even though I feel shame, and I feel fear, and I feel all these feelings inside of me, I must make a decision to push through that in order to break down those walls and engage this person that I am in love with. You know, it's interesting because what advice do we give to people? It's not very spiritual advice. It's not very holy advice. You gotta push through it. Sometimes you gotta push through these feelings. Sometimes you gotta push through the sense that you feel inadequate. Sometimes you gotta push through the emotion that you have, that you made a mistake or that this person's wronged you. Sometimes you have to make a conscious decision just to push through those emotions because I know that when you do, I know in my life and my relationship with Steph, that when I push through those emotions in our relationship, guess what happens? We have a good old time, hallelujah. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, mark that down. When you push through your emotion, when you push through your perspective, when you push through your framework of how this should look like, the letdowns, the discouragements, the things in your life where you feel like, man, this isn't what I thought it would be, or man, this person let me down, or more, man, I have fear, or I have shame when I'm in this person's presence. My wife loves me so much, and sometimes her love for me makes me feel bad about myself because she loves me unconditionally, and I know how bad I am. <laughs> I know how bad of a husband, someone's like, yeah, hey, you don't know that. <laughs> There's the door, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. And so we have to understand something that when we are pursuing our relationship and the marriage relationship, I want you to listen. There is always an alternative. I can either do the hard work and engage in the relationship or there's an alternative. There's many alternatives that involve just me getting pleasure. There's alternatives where I can go and I can be isolated and alone and meet my need instantly. But the result of me meeting my need, whether with a person or with, uh, with uh, images or whether it's working harder or it's drinking more or it's buying more things or it's putting, investing my life into something else other than this relationship, I can easily meet the desires in my heart that this relationship will provide for me because this is hard work. This is easier. There's always an alternative than doing the hard work to have a great relationship. 
And when you invest into the alternative, there is a moment of pleasure. But as you know, immediately, there's a breakdown in your relationship with your spouse. There's a breakdown in your relationship with your children. There's a breakdown in your relationship with your community. There's a breakdown in relationship of yourself. There's a breakdown of your relationship with God. And when you choose the immediate now results and not the hard work of being in a relationship, you're missing out on what God intended for your marriage relationship. You know, that's just like our walk with the Lord. That's just like our walk with Jesus. Many of you are here today, and you weren't maybe here last week, we talked a little bit about love languages. For those of you who haven't read love languages, there's five different love languages that we'd identify that my wife has two top love languages and I have two top love but we don't. And as we follow Christ, often what we do is we want God to love us the way that we want to be loved, but we don't realize that God has a way to be loved as well. There's ways that God wants to be loved. We think, well, God just loves me. Yes, he does love you. And he wants to shower his love on you. And he wants to, he wants to bless you. And he wants to speak to you. And he wants to, to pour out his love on top of you. The way that you want to do that, whether it's in the mountains or whether it's going on a walk or whatever it might look like, God wants to meet you in that place. But did you know that he also, as a person, has a desire in which he wants you to love him? And so we learned last week that this practice of this love relationship, we have to understand what are the ways in which God wants us to love him. And I begin to think about this verse here in Ephesians 5.31. Look what it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. This is a hidden revelation, Paul says. There's something about this idea of a man and a woman being in a relationship with one another where they are united as one. There is something that is profoundly mysterious. Paul says it is so unique and mysterious. It, 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 there's a hidden revelation. There's a hidden meaning. There's something behind this relationship between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship that, that, that is so mysterious. And look what Paul says next. He says, this profound mystery. I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. And he says, I want you to look at a marriage relationship between a man and a woman as I intended it to work. A man and a woman being in a relationship, they become one flesh. He says, I want you to know that this marriage relationship has a mysterious, profound effect, but I'm actually not talking about marriage. I'm actually relating it to your relationship with God. I'm talking about what it looks like to have a relationship with the person, Jesus Christ, who we experience him through, a, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, who gives us access to our Father in heaven, that this natural, this natural relationship between a man and a woman, between this marriage relationship instituted by God, where I must love my wife as I love myself and lay my life down for her, and the scripture says, and in return, she respects me. This word respect actually means a reverent obedience. This idea in this verse that when God is seeking after us, God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to lavish his unconditional love on you. And there is a response that happens that when God loves us, I have to choose to reverently honor him and love him and serve him. What I'm trying to point out to you this morning as we start is that a relationship with God is a back and forth. It is not a one-way street where God comes and meets your need only. He also wants you to be in relationship with him. 
Often in our North American context of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we think that it's all about us, about God loving us and God caring for us and God helping our needs and God being there in our, our times of trouble and God being okay and not, God not judging me and God accepting me as I am. And guess what? God does just that. But a natural response of someone who has a relationship with God is that now they start seeking after him. They start pressing through in their relationship with him. And the verse here says, come near to God. Look at this. And he will come near to you. And did you know that you were wired to have a back and forth with God? No matter who you are, no matter your, 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 your religious upbringing, no matter where you're at today, you were created to have relationship with God. 99.9% .9 of human beings on the earth today are genetically the same. And out of 7.3 billion people, we were all created by our creator, God. Every single one of us were created to have a back and forth, intimate relationship with God. But if our relationship with God is seen in our marriage relationship, there's a lot of breakdown in that. There's a lot of experiences that have come from that. There's a lot of things we see. Man, I, and this is where we get a lot of our perspectives of our relationship with God is through our natural relationships where my father let me down or my marriage broke down or my friends abandoned me. And we often take that and we project that onto God. And so what we do is we protect ourselves when we say, we want you to love me. I want you to accept me. I want you to care for me, which God does. But then we don't reciprocate with a secret after God because God says if you come to me and seek me and I got to tell you sometimes I get exhausted at this idea of seeking God <laughs> I have to be honest with you as I even read the scripture sometimes I think oh God this is so exhausting to have to seek after you continuously and then I begin to think of that I thought whoa I think maybe sometimes I feel that way with my wife I'm just being really honest how many of you in your relationship sometimes realize that the work that you have to put in to be in that relationship, that phone call, that sacrifice, that gift, that effort, it takes effort, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And in the same way with our walk with God, we, like, that's not a balanced, healthy relationship. If my wife continuously loved me and I thought, oh God, do I have to seek her? Oh, do I have to, pursue, do I have to actually take her on a date? Oh God. If we look at this idea, it says this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Do you know when God wrote that? He wrote that in Genesis chapter two. In the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and what he did was is he put everything in, in, its, in its order. He created the stars and he put them in the galaxy. He created animals to walk on the ground. He created fish to swim in the sea. He created plants to be in the soil. And the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. That word Eden actually is a crazy, crazy word. That word actually is the idea that it was a place for a moment where there was an open door to the luxuries of heaven, the delight and luxuries of heaven. It was a, a portal to heaven. It was like heaven on earth. And so God placed a plant in soil, cow on the earth, star in the sky, man and woman, into the context of the presence of God. 
He put them there with the intention of being in the relationship with God. He wired you from the very beginning of creation. He put you into his presence and said, you will function the most in which I created you. You will fulfill your purpose. You will experience fulfillment. You will experience satisfaction when you realize that you were wired and created to be in my presence. But what happens when we take those out of, the, out of their context? You take a cow and shove it in the water, it's going to drown. You take a star out of the sky and it explodes. You take a fish and throw it on dry ground and it suffocates. You take a man or a woman and you remove them from the very presence of God and they malfunction. And what happens is, is that when you and I no longer are seeking God in that relationship, what happens is, is that we begin to malfunction in our life. And we begin to see breakdown in our life. And we begin to see challenges in our life. And we begin to, we begin to have, there's some things actually happen. I want to show you three things that happen. When you and I stop seeking God like he's a person and stop engaging him like we were intended to do, there's some things malfunction in our lives. And look what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 or I'm sorry, look what he says here in 2, 15 to 17. He placed the man in the Garden of Eden, and he said, okay, the Lord God warned him, he may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, I want you to see this. It's really important that I bolded that. God made a promise to us and the reason you and I sometimes experience spiritual separation or spiritual dryness or disconnection from God is the very answer is right here. Because he says, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you can have anything you want in my presence, but there's one thing you can't have, the, knowledge, uh, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because when you eat from that tree, what you're pursuing is you're actually pursuing to try to, to, try to take my place. Because you're going to have knowledge and information that only God has. And so when you choose to go after that, you're actually pursuing the tree and you're choosing the tree over me. You're pursuing your own endeavor. You're pursuing your own desires. You're pursuing this knowledge. I know this is heavy thought, but I really wanna share with this with you this morning because I believe that there will be breakthrough in your walk with God if you can hear what I'm saying to you today. You might feel a little bit of conviction. It's okay because when God's word is spoken, there is conviction, right? The Holy Spirit convicts us, but I want you to listen because I feel so strongly this morning like a prophet being here today that I wanna encourage you. If you can hear the words that I'm speaking to you today, there can be breakthrough in your life. No no matter where you are at on your journey with God in this place, you can experience breakthrough today if you hear what I am saying to you. That in the very beginning, this is why there is breakdown in your relationship with God because he said to you, you can choose the tree or you can choose me. And if you choose the tree, look what his scripture says, you will die. Now, obviously, that meant they went from an eternal being to a, to, to a, to a, a mortal being. Then they now had a, a time clock, was a thousand years. Wow, that's a, that's a bit different today, isn't it? But a thousand years. But they also meant you would die spiritually. And something happened in them in this scripture. In Genesis 3, look what happens. As you probably know, and if you don't, Adam and Eve were tricked by the devil to take a piece of fruit, and they ate that from that tree 
And immediately in that moment, something happened. When they were now in the presence of God, where th when they used to be able to come into the worship and James would sing the song, and I just felt like, man, I'm just dialed in, and man, God's good. Man, James could have be off key, and the, the sound could be off, and the lights could be flickering like strobe lights, and I feel like I'm gonna have a seizure, but it doesn't matter, because man, I'm just tuned with God. Like, I just love the Lord. Like, I'm driving in my car, and I used to engage him, and I get in the car, and I sensed him. Not like, man, I just would worship him and feel his presence, but now, when I come in the atmosphere of God, I feel all these emotions of fear and guilt and shame and doubt. And I feel like I, I don't like being in the atmosphere of God now. And look what it says in the scripture, Genesis 3.8. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Normally, when they heard the presence of God, they would run to him. Hey, God, Father, I'm over here. I mean, God knew where they were. He's omnipresent, but he's also a person. He also wants to be manifest present. He wants to be with you, next to you, face to face with you. So even though God knew where they was, he wanted to be physically next to them. God, where are you? Oh, I'm over here. God, we're here, God. Now, something different happened. Something changed. Now, the Bible says they heard the Lord God waiting about in the garden. And the scripture says here that they hid from God among the trees. Something had changed. Something is now different. They, they're experiencing something they had never felt before. Now they're experiencing shame and, and guilt. Now they have these emotions. And I want you to see something very important. You gotta catch this reality. They are still in God's presence. They sinned. They should have been banished from God's holy presence immediately because God is a holy and righteous God. But I want you to notice something. The Bible delays this reality because even though they were in the very presence of God, God was seeking after them because he wanted relationship with them even though they were in their sin, even though they chose the tree, even though they had done terrible, awful things in the sight of God. They were in the presence of God and they were hiding from him in the presence of God. Listen to her in it. Sometimes, we come into the presence of God and we hide from him because we feel shame, guilt. We feel all sorts of things in our life. And the scripture here says very, very, very plainly in the scripture. I love this part. It's my favorite part of this. Look what it says. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? The reason this is important is because every one of us here has hears this in our heart all the time. Yeah. See, the Father is constantly whispering, hey, Curtis, come here. Hey, Jeff, where are you? Hey, Tyler, hey, Tyler, where are you? Constantly and consistently and always seeking a relationship with you. Yeah. Remember, God is so righteous that sin is not allowed to be in his presence. Yet even though they were in God's presence and full of sin, God was still searching for them. Where are you? Where have you been? Where are you? Seek me. I want a relationship with you. Seek me. Seek my presence. And he searched for them and he looked for them and he's asking you this question today. Where are you? Yeah. 
That's like when you're driving in your car. Have you ever had these moments? For those of you in the room that have experienced the presence of God, maybe you're a mom here today or you're a worker going to work and you're driving in the car and you put on a worship song and all of a sudden your heart starts to swell and you think, oh my gosh, what is that feeling I'm having right now? That is God whispering to you, where are you? I want a relationship with you. And all we have to do is the Bible taught us last week, his love language is a yada, to worship with extended hands with our whole heart, a halal, to not care what the per person driving next to us thinks when we're going, wow! <laughs> These moments in our heart that swell. God's presence is here, something swelling in my heart. That is God whispering to you. That he wants a relationship with you. And I want to show you three things that happened. What happens to us when we don't seek God? What happens to us when, now remember, God is seeking us, but we have to seek him. God is ever present in your time of trouble. God is face to face with you at all times. But sometimes doesn't it feel like God's hiding? Doesn't it feel like sometimes God's really far away, like he's an echo chamber and you, you echo and it's your 17th echo that finally gets to his ears? Sometimes it feels so far from God, but you have to know that God is willing and ready. He wants to come close to you, and I'm gonna show you how to do that today. There's three things that we see. The first thing that happens when we stop seeking God is we lose our, perspe our, our perspective of ourself changes. Look what he says, Genesis 3.10. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Now, he had always been naked, folks. He'd always been butt naked. <laughs> but now he saw something different. Now he began to malfunction and he began to see himself in a different light. Now he began to see himself as shameful. Now he began to experience guilt. Now he began to experience doubt. Now he began to experience shame. Now he began to experience disconnection. Now he realized my perspective of myself when I was seeking God was that I'm a child of God and I'm a daughter of God and I'm a man of God and I'm a great husband and I'm a great father and that God created me and that he loves me and all God's promises are yes and amen in him when I'm seeking after God. My perspective of myself is God, I sure don't deserve your grace, but I welcome it because you're so faithful to me. My perspective when I'm not seeking God is, man, I'm so unworthy. I'm such a terrible person. I'm so full of fear and shame and doubt. And my mind is telling me that I'm a terrible person. What's the even point of my life? Why do I even walk on this planet? Why do I even feel space in this room? Our perspective of ourself changes and we begin to malfunction. And even though Adam heard God, he was in his presence. He knew what God's voice sounded like. He hid because his perspective of himself changed. And if we keep staying in the place of fear and doubt and shame and allowing our perspective of ourselves to be that way it is, I want you to know that that will begin, the way, that will begin to be the way that you normally think about yourself. Listen, when you get into the presence of God like today, we sing songs about the faithfulness of God. That, these are the moments when you most feel like how you were created to be. Yeah, These are the moments when you really find out who you really are. Oh, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Yes, God, you're so faithful. Man, God, I don't deserve your faithfulness, but you've been so faithful to me. God, I'm your child. 
God, I'm your son. And your presence is where there's fullness of joy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. In the presence of God, there's breakthrough and there's transformation and there's joy and there's peace and there's life. Outside of God's presence, there's death and there's the tree and there's difficulty. But in God's presence, I feel whole and I feel connected. And even though sometimes I feel like I don't deserve it, I can't seem to break through and I'm actually angry about my situation. What I realize is that in the presence of God, my perspective of myself gets corrected to the way God sees me. Something changes. The second malfunction we experience is that our perspective of God changes. Look at this. In Genesis 3.12, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. God, it was this woman you gave me. I got a I got dealt a bad hand, God. God, it was the sickness you gave me. It was my parents getting divorced, God. It was the fact that my marriage fell apart, God. God, it was the fact that my promotion didn't come through or I lost my job or things didn't pan out like I hoped or that church person hurt. God, it was you who did this to me. You put me in this place, God, to make me take that fruit. I was supposed to be in your presence, God. And every time I try to get involved in church, I just get hurt. Or every time I try to engage in a dating relationship, it just falls apart. God, you put me here. Our perspective of God changes because the reality is this. I'm here to give you good news today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. He is good. He is great. He never changes his character. He always wants to bless you and pour his favor on you and care for you and love you. Yes, does he discipline us sometimes like a great father of course he does every great father disciplines their children but he does it because he loves you so stinking much see when we malfunction it goes from now we see ourselves out of a place of shame and fear and now we begin to look at God and say God if you would just make things better if you would just get me out of debt if you would just help my addiction if you would just stop allowing these things to have this bad hand you gave me God then I will seek you the reality is we have to recognize that our bad choices often gets us in the pit that we fell into. They chose to eat the fruit. I chose to buy that house. I chose to go look at that thing. I chose to be with that person. I chose, I chose, I chose. I made that decision. It wasn't God's fault. God's faithful and he's good, amen? God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's never been a single day in your life or in my life. Has God not been consistently faithful to you in your life, in your heart, in your mind? That is who God is. That is who our Father is. He remains faithful. He will always be faithful. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you with an agape love, a love that never stops, a love that never quits. He continues to seek you even in your sin, even in your brokenness, even in your rejection of God, just think about that. When you reject God, he still loves you unconditionally. See, when we are not seeking after God, we malfunction in how how we see ourselves changes and how we see our God changes. And the third one is this, is that our perspective of what satisfies us changes. Genesis 3.13, the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. And that's why I ate. I'm in this situation, God, because I totally thought the fruit would satisfy me. I thought that that relationship would satisfy me, God, and I feel so foolish because I know that it won't, but I keep going back. 
I thought that, that that thing would satisfy me, that career would satisfy me, God, and I just slipped right back in to keep it up with the Benjamins, God, and I just feel so stupid. I feel this way all the time, I gotta admit. I come in the presence of God, and often I feel pretty stupid because maybe I had a bad thought, or I had a bad attitude, or I treated someone improperly, or I did something wrong. Even today, my son and I got in a little tiff, and I'm feeling guilty about it, and I come into the presence of God, and I think, gosh, I'm so stupid. Gosh, I just, like, man, I'm so dumb. Like, I totally thought that that was gonna satisfy me. I thought that was the right way to do it. I just feel so foolish because I failed. And so now we begin to have a different perspective and we, we, we begin to forget that the way that you find perfect satisfaction in your life is in the presence of your creator, right. worshiping and bringing glory to God. So See, you were created to be in the very presence of God. Okay, so... Ryan, I malfunctioned. I see myself not the way God intended. I don't see God the way God intended. And I find that my, my desires, my, my, my satisfactions have been focused on other things, not on God. How do I get back to this place? Look what the scripture says. I love this. It says this in Deuteronomy 4.29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him. Read this part with me. With all your heart. So, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. That word seek there actually means to search or desire, to search out specifically as the definition says uh, in, in the Hebrew definition, specifically in worship and prayer. Specifically in worship and prayer, when you're seeking God out, when you're desiring after the Lord. Look at this verse and I'm gonna just gonna, throw a few verses at you. Psalms 27, eight. Lord, when you said to my heart, seek my face, where are you? My inner being responded, I'm gonna seek your face with all my heart. Look at this, same verse, different translation. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Look at this, same verse. When my heart whispered, seek God, where are you? My whole being replied, I'm gonna seek him. Don't hide from me now. Now watch this. Let me land this plane here, but watch this. Matthew 7, 22. This verse is a verse where Jesus is talking to people who are seeking him, not with their whole heart. And I find it interesting. Look what he says. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never realized this until this weekend. I never knew you. But God, I thought going to church was making me a good person to know you. Well, yes, those are good things to do. But if your heart isn't engaged, he doesn't know you. I want you to think about the reality of this verse today. I know this is heavy, but I want you to get it today. Jesus actually said to these people, I know you did all these good godly things, but you didn't do them with your whole heart. I never knew you. That would be one scary thing to hear from God on judgment day, would it not? I prophesied. Look, they actually did miracles. They actually cast demons out of a person's body. And Jesus looked at them and said, I'm really sorry, I just never had a relationship with you. I was seeking you, but you sought me with things, but you didn't do it with your heart. You did it to be good. You did it because you thought it was the right thing to do, but you didn't seek me with all your heart. See, one thing we have to remember about the verse that we just read about where David said, my heart whispered, come and talk with me. And David said, I'm gonna go talk with you. You gotta remember that God said that to David's heart. Remember, David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. He committed adultery with a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. And then he, he, he was in part of killing her husband. 
He wrote this after that happened. I want you to hear this for a minute, that when God whispers to your heart, come to me, come be with me, I'm seeking you. You think, well, well I can't do that. I, I, my heart's deceitful above all things. I'm a sinner. Guess what? That is what a whole heart looks like. That your whole heart is not your perfection. Your whole heart is not that you've got it all figured out. Your whole heart is not that you've read your Bible for hours and hours on end or that I've gone to church consistently for the last four weeks. You want to know what your whole heart is? Your whole heart is all your deceitfulness and all your disgustingness and all your pervertedness and all your bad thoughts and all the areas in you that you don't want anyone to see that you think God's going to banish you. He wants your whole heart. He wants your brokenness and your fear and your shame. That is what your whole heart looks like. So when I'm engaging my wife in a relationship and she loves me unconditionally, I'm feeling fear and shame and doubt. Guess what? My whole heart is engaging my wife even though I feel all these things about myself and about her and about our relationship. If I press into God, guess what happens? The Bible says, come near to me and I will come near to you. Your whole heart is all of your disgusting deceitfulness because the Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things. I'm going to end on this last verse today. I'm going to read the same verse I just read in Deuteronomy 4.29 and then we'll end here. But if from there you seek the Lord God, with all, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. Did you guys catch something interesting about this verse in the very first part? If from there... I want you to catch this as we end our time together. From there. Well, from where? Let's read this verse in context. And James is going to come up and we'll pray. If, you, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. Well, from where? What position should I be in to seek God? What, Ryan, what place? Is it like I'm going to church or am I like not cursing anymore? Or like, does my life got to be all figured out? Like, what does it look like? What are the, give me the lines, Ryan. Give me the dots. How do I figure this out? How do I get back into the place where I'm engaging God again? I want to do it with my whole heart. But what does that look like? And look what he tells us where it is. It's very interesting. Deuteronomy, just a few verses prior. When the time comes that you have children and grandchildren, the people of Israel are just about to go into the promised land. And you put on years and you start taking things for granted. If you then become corrupt and make any carved images, no matter what form, by doing what is sheer evil in God's eyes and provoking his anger, I can tell you right now with heaven and earth as witnesses that it will be all, all over for you. You'll be kicked off the land that you're about to cross over the Jordan to possess. Believe me, you'll have a very short stay there in the promised land of God. You'll be ruined, completely ruined, and God will scatter you far and wide. A few of you will survive here and there in the nations where God will drive you, and there you can worship your homemade gods to your heart's content and your wonderful gods of wood and stone that can be see, can't see or hear or eat or smell. He says, listen, you're going to go into the promised land and you're going to experience what I have for you, but a day's going to come where you're going to stray a little bit and you're going to start searching after the tree. And you're going to carve out these little images in your life. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a band. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's your loneliness. 
Maybe you're in an environment where you just feel like, man, I got all this. You start pursuing your own carved images. You start choosing the tree. You start to malfunction. Your perspective of yourself changes. Your perspective of God changes. Your, your satisfaction starts to be in other things. And you realize in this place that I'm malfunctioning. And God says, okay, I want you to know that this is probably going to happen to all of us. And look what he says. But even there, Even there, if you seek God, your God, you'll be able to find Him. If you're serious, looking for Him with your whole heart and soul. This is a different Jesus than maybe you've been taught about. Imagine these people coming with their carved images with the addiction and the relationship and they bring it in the presence of God and say, I know in the past I haven't been able to be in this atmosphere with all these areas of my life of fear and doubt and shame and sickness and disease and all these things. And here I'm standing here and I was told that if I seek God for this place, what does this look like? That is what your whole heart looks like. Bringing all of who you are in the very presence of God and saying, I don't understand it all, but all I know is that God, you promised me. You promised me that in your presence is the fullness of joy. You promised me that when I come into your presence, God, there is freedom for my life. You promised me that God, yes, you might convict areas of my life, but Lord, you never judge me because you love me as your son and your daughter and you care for me and you want to lavish your love on me. And yes, there'll be things in my life that you'll root out and you'll change and you'll transform. But God, I want to do those things because I want to seek after you and please you and honor you. Many of you here today have all sorts of carved homemade idols in your life just like I do. And Jesus wants you to bring them today right to the altar of God and say, all right, it is what it is. I'm just going to come in the presence of God with all my hangups. And I'm going to be in the very presence of my creator. And he's going to start to change your perspective of yourself. He's going to start to change your perspective of him. He's going to start to change what you satisfy, what satisfies you. Now you're going to find his word satisfies you and community with other believers satisfies you and God's presence satisfies me. And I used to listen to this music, but man, I just doesn't satisfy. Now I listen to this music and this music is just all about honoring and glorifying God. And my speech is starting to change and my, my attitudes are starting to change and my relationships are starting to change. And I find that my life is transformed forever because I was created to function properly in the very presence of God. close your eyes for me for a moment every eye closed across this place I'm going to ask a question that I ask every week if you're here today and you say Ryan I'm in this place today in this church and I've never given my life to Jesus I, I hear what you said today and that really resonated with me that I think I'd like to start this journey with this God you're talking about this Jesus, this relationship, not the other stuff. <laughs> You're here today and you say, Ryan, I've never, ever given my life to the Lord. I've never been on that journey. Or maybe you are very far from God today. Maybe you've chosen the tree and you say, gosh, I just don't belong to be here. And today you realize that you have a moment and an opportunity to maybe start a fresh journey with God. 
Come on, with every eye closed, I'm not going to pull you forward. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who might be giving their lives to Jesus Christ today, this Jesus that I talked about today. Come on, I'm going to count to three, and I want you just to quickly to shoot your hand in the air and put it right back down just so I can see it. Come on, the count of three. One, come on, don't be afraid. This is your moment to start a journey with God. Come on, number two. Come on, on three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, put your hand in the air today. Come on, praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, anybody else today? Come on, anybody else? Just don't be afraid. Even if you're far from God, and maybe you once were a follower of God, and today you want to make that declaration and say, I want to start this journey today. Come on, I'm going to count to three one more time. One, two, three. Come on, go ahead and place your hand in the air. Come on. Come on, church, would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, real loud. Dear Lord Jesus. We're here in your presence today. Will you take us as we are? I want to make a commitment to serve you today and start a fresh journey with you. Will you forgive me of all my sin and wash me whiter than snow? I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.